episode 24 of the ER Podcast. NiceLink Home Furnishings. It's a distribution story of digital transformation in the age of COVID. And if you've been listening to the ER Podcast for any time, we've been telling stories about how resilient companies are using cloud software and digital transformation to survive and in some cases even thrive in the COVIDian economy. This week, it's Jay Carlson. He's the president of NiceLink. He's going to talk about how their business turned to Acumatica, the cloud ERP, as well as Acumatica partner, Net at Work. Initially, to save money, or as Jay will put it, he couldn't keep throwing labor and spreadsheets at the problem. And later, NiceLink would find entire new lines of business made possible by simple digital integrations. So, it's a real-life story of taking on an ERP project at the height of COVID and having the project wildly succeed, allowing NiceLink to actually profit from ERP. See how we went there? Now, the podcast is not wild claims about how ERP is an end-all to end-all, but how a growing company did use ERP to better connect, to extend sales options, to process orders electronically, and go from QuickBooks and a spreadsheet inventory to seven shared warehouses nationwide with complex cross-selling strategies all integrated into the system. Then getting closer to their customers with electronic integration into Wayfair, Costco, Macy, and others. And how when the pandemic had everyone working from home and also shopping from home, NiceLink was the right product at the right place at the right time and business exploded. Will your business be able to do the same with ERP? Well, the answer is, with some creativity, flexibility, working with the right consulting team and the right software, the sky's the limit. And as Jay says, you can't keep throwing labor and spreadsheets at the problem. Profit from ERP is a more effective and efficient answer. And we're going to be right back with Jay Carlson all in today's episode of the ER Podcast. Today, we're talking about Acumatica, the cloud ERP. It may be new to you, but it's been around for a few years. Acumatica's always had a great reputation among consultants, kind of a generation two of cloud ERP. But Acumatica launching in 2008 meant lots of new, untested implementation partners. But not anymore. Net at Work has been an ERP and technology industry leader for a lot of years. 6,000 clients, 21 offices across the U.S., founded in 1996. They're known to unleash the power of their clients' business. And in addition to their Acumatica practice, they cover virtually all areas of technology and have long-standing Sage, NetSuite, HRMS, CRM, and e-commerce practices. NetWorks Acumatica practice is headed by Stuart Blumenthal, which if you've been in the ERP industry for any time, that's a name you'll recognize. I think I first worked with Stuart in 2001, which for the mathematically challenged among us, that was over 20 years ago. And I know the exacting customer-focused work he's always delivered. It's the kind of exacting attention to detail you need. And that's the thing. At Profit from ERP, we'll help you evaluate software like Acumatica, but we'll also get you connected with partners who are tops in the industry. Our partner recommendations, if we did nothing else, would be worth the price of admission. But people hire us because we bring results. Profit from ERP, so to speak. So net at work is more than critical in helping us deliver what we promise, which is good for you as long as you're the kind of company that likes profits. Look, 
Stuart taught me a long time ago that you can't make ERP promises you can't keep. And I can't make my clients stick to proven methodology 100% of the time. So we can't guarantee every client will, say, double their business in six months or some other wild and crazy claim. But we can guarantee that with profit from ERP and net at work, your probability of a great Acumatica rollout skyrockets. When you're ready to start looking at ERP, look at Acumatica and net at work. Contact us at info at profitfromerp.com and we'll get you connected. Welcome back to the ER Podcast. Let's get started. Let's uh, kick off, as it were, with Notre Dame football. Now, I'm not a particular Irish fan, but they're always on TV every Saturday in the fall. Whether they're playing Michigan or an all-girls high school football team, it's on TV. I think it's either FCC must carry regulation or maybe it has something to do with ratings. I don't know. But the other day I'm watching and the halftime show comes on. And this is the part where universities show everything non-football related that goes on on campus because we all know there's really nothing football fans like better than non-football topics. But anyway, it turns out there's some professors at Notre Dame and they're helping to design and create spacesuits for astronauts. And they made the following statement. Making a new spacesuit is not measured in months or years, but decades, meaning it takes more than 10 years to come up with a new design. Now, we've talked about Williamson's Law before, which says everything's simple if you don't know a damn thing about it. And I would list spacesuits pretty low on my chart of areas of knowledge. But for a decade for a new spacesuit, that seems like a lot. But if that's the expectation, well, you know, they're probably right. It probably does take them 10 years. Now, onto another subject. Let's talk about vaccines and drugs getting to market. At Profit from ERP, we've worked with many pharmaceutical manufacturers and software clients going back to the 90s. And we know clinical trials can easily stretch on for five years or longer before they release a new drug or vaccine. That's been the normal expectation, again, for decades. But last week, we had recent announcements that actually two COVID vaccines were entering final approval only eight months after COVID reared its viral head. How do we go from five years to eight months? Well, for one, the expectations had been changed. And of course, a few standard protocols as long as safety wasn't compromised. And what formerly took five years is now coming out within months. So, what does Notre Dame's spacesuits and Pfizer's COVID vaccine have to do with ERP? Well, traditionally, mid-sized ERP implementation took 9 to 12 months. A so tier 1 system, maybe 18 months. Over the years, cloud ERP projects have dropped down to a 3 to 6 month implementation. And when the pandemic hit, there were basically two camps of business management out there. One said, preserve capital at all costs and wait to see what's going to happen. The other camp said, preserve revenue at all costs and find new ways to reach our customers where they are in a post-COVID world. Again, these are generalizations and different industries are affected different ways. But here's the deal. If your expectations are that ERP is going to take so long to implement that it stops you from moving forward, well, you know what? You're probably right. Just like the spacesuit guys at Notre Dame. And what many wait-and-see businesses are going to see after they wait is that their customers have moved on to other providers that shifted their market strategy to meet that customer where they were. Well, today's episode talks to Jay Carlson, president of NiceLink, and they launched Acumatica, the cloud ERP, in June. 
Of course, they'd been in the planning stages, evaluation and such. But how easy would it have been just to put the whole project on hold in February when COVID-fueled uncertainties were exceeded only by the false predictions of the coming impact? And if they'd taken the, quote, cautious, unquote, path and said, let's put this ERP thing on hold till we see how the market shakes out. Well, NiceLink would have missed out on one of the hottest home furnishing markets in recent history. It's true. As people started working from home, well, the home office took on a new meaning. And instead of a one-person desk in a dingy corner where mom and dad could catch up on email after work, now we needed two full-time workspaces for Zoom meetings with backgrounds and equipment. And now the kids also needed room and space to connect online to school. Besides that, Looking at that threadbare couch all day long had people starting to look for home furnishing replacements. Folks, COVID or not, time is still of the essence. One of the pure advantages of using profit from ERP software selection and consulting is cutting down time it takes to go through evaluations, which to tell you the truth, software evaluations can go six to nine months because it's a big decision. Look, we've done hundreds with nearly every major ERP software brand. So one thing we can do is shortlist you down to the right few ERPs to evaluate and put you in touch with implementation partners like Net at Work who have the teams and the experience to get you live in a decent amount of time. Now, this is not about skipping steps, but it's about moving forward efficiently when time is of the essence. So you can either take the Notre Dame spacesuit approach or the Pfizer vaccine approach and say, we need to get this done fast. We need to become resilient and we need to digitally transform how we approach those customers and even look for new ways and new channels to make those sales. That choice is up to you. So without any more delay, let's go to the ER phone link information line and join our guest, president of NiceLink home furnishings. All right, joining me today on the ER podcast, it's Jay Carlson. He is the president of NiceLink Furniture Distribution. Now, they've recently worked with Net at Work and the Acumatica practice and a very rapidly growing company, very exciting company, uh, doing a lot of good stuff in their space and everything like that. So I w- want to welcome you, Jay. How are you today? I'm good, Gene. How are you doing? <laughs> Well, well, thanks for asking. Hey, so, you know, what I know about your business is, is that uh, you guys were growing and, and, and expanding. You were running on QuickBooks and you were trying to run a pretty major operation um, in, in, the, in the $6 million annual revenue area. Um, and then you suddenly had plans to expand. And why don't I let you describe, you know, describe your business. What were you guys doing? How, what were the things that you were facing? Well, let me take it back a step to where um, NiceLink, uh, who we are. I mean, NiceLink is a uh, furniture company that handles all sorts of furniture-related products, such as finished goods, which is leather upholstery that you might receive at a Macy's or get from a Rooms2Go Haverty's, depending on where you in the country, obviously. Um, we also are a large fabric company to the furniture industry as well uh, that we sell to the Lazy Boys and Ashleys and Bassets and those type of various names. Many of the names in the industry have kind of gone away because the brands aren't as important anymore. And then we also do what they call kits uh, for some of these companies too, which is we do a lot of the components for a lot of the big retailers and manufacturers in the U.S. um, that 
are quote unquote made in America. However, their business model is because of the, I guess we all went to China at one time in Asia, um, they get a lot of their components and then take those components and make their finished products. So I used to live in China. I lived in China with another company and handled a supply chain from China to India and came on board with a Chinese company uh, where I saw we could build a better mousetrap and go direct to many of the manufacturers and the retailers with our various products and thought that um, at that time, this was about 10 years ago, would be a uh, kind of in a changing world where we could take the advantages of Chinese manufacturing and labor uh, and then take that to the furniture world in so many different ways and uh, build a business that way. And so what we did at first, I mean, the company, the overall company that I'm president of is probably north of $100 million in sales. And about 90% of our products now come out of China directly. And then what we did was we set up the U.S. Uh, entity to supply those that did not want to buy direct from China um, or they weren't big enough to buy direct from China. So that is where we came into probably about four or five years ago into QuickBooks because uh, we said, well, we're going to create our own customer being ourselves and then sell our products to the people that just can't do the volume in China. But uh, with that came some of the big names like Wayfair and Macy's um, and Costco on the dot-com platform. And so what we started to do there on a two-tier basis is we started to sell the dot-com companies um, that were buying our leather furniture out of a warehouse, out of, well, out of various warehouses around the country. And then we have a fabric warehouse out of Mississippi that we sell that component to the manufacturers in North Carolina, Mississippi, that are building product but don't want the big volumes coming out of China where they can just move quickly, pay a little bit more, and then supply their retailer direct customers from our warehouse. So um, we started this with QuickBooks, but then as we started to grow this company and especially doing direct products to the, on the furniture side to Wayfair, Overstock, people like that, we realized that we needed a better mousetrap in regards to our, um, ERP, if you will. Well, it sounds like you had a pretty complex supply chain. Uh, even then, how are you handling that with QuickBooks? Well, the the good thing is is that we are one company. We have a subsidiary a subsidiary here, um, being the U.S. entity NiceLink Home Furnishings, and our parent company is Heining NiceLink Home Furnishings out of the Shanghai area, and we buy direct from them. So I only have one <clears throat> real vendor for our products, because over there we have a um, two two million square foot facility that has about 1,800 people that does everything that I need for what we're doing. So the supply chain was easily manageable. It was just the working with the customer side of the business and trying to go live with many of these customers with QuickBooks Online, which was very limiting from an inventory aspect. And um, we needed some of the things that NetAtWork uh, Acumatic could bring to us that we could not get with the QuickBooks environment. Right. I've, I've seen that a lot of importers that, that are, are looking at that, they, they need to know what their supplies are going to be six months from now when they're able to, to promise sales and, and deliveries to, to different clients. Did you guys have that issue? 
Yeah, um, it you know we were able to manage the inventory flow pretty easily um, for a while, but um, over the past maybe year, as we've seen an explosion of our growth with the with the ecom platform uh, and our other business as well on the fabric side of it, but not as much of a growth uh, as the ecom. Um, we've seen it become a real challenge over the last six to eight months because of the pandemic. Um, trying to flow out of China right now is virtually impossible because uh, it's interesting. The business, um, you know, every we we got tens of millions of dollars of uh, cancellations back in April, May when China shut down in January. Everybody needed their stuff because it was going to be a vibrant 2020 political year, and that's always good for the economy and the home furnishings industry. And then the U.S. shut down, and then that caused millions of dollars of cancellations. So we didn't know what was going to happen. Well, when everyone opened up, uh, you have now sort of uh, for the furniture business, the Goldilocks scenario, which is you have a, a supply chain that through their maybe draconian measures over there, they've been able to stomp out this virus. And so we have a fluid supply chain that can supply and here we have, you know, unfortunately, a uh, customer base that is limited in what they can do with their money. And you have a stimulus program where if you give Americans $3 trillion, Americans will spend $3 trillion. Right. And all of a sudden there was an explosion of demand. And the e-com people never really shut down. But what happened was really anything coming out of China right now uh, is just high demand because there's so much consumer spending right now in various parts of the economy and definitely in the home because that's where people are spending their time. So the challenge has been really to flow product into the warehouses in a, uh, a logistically sound way when lead times in container capacity and all that are going way out. And so some of the planning tools that we use with Network been a, or Acumatica have been a big help with that. Um, in regards to trying to overcome this uh, new hurdle, which is just unheard of demand in this business and um, people not being able to supply that demand. Right. I, I've got a, uh, a buddy that runs a bike shop. He could sell any bike he could get in, but he can't get anything. Right. And, you know, I'm assuming a lot of people staying home are, are looking around the house and going, hey, this couch doesn't look as good now that I'm spending yeah. time on it. Um, yeah. But... So we've got booming economies there. What, I mean, QuickBooks is great for a startup. It's great, for, you, you know, when, you, yeah. when, you, when you're just getting started. But there's, there's always that question, when do we move off of QuickBooks onto mm -hmm. something bigger, something better? What was you guys' driving decision? Was there one or, or any, well, any factor like that? Yeah, it was basically the way we handled the inventory. Um, that was the biggest thing is that we saw a growing business and we had to connect into EDI, um, which is a challenge anyways. It was working with QuickBooks online, uh, but they couldn't handle the inventory. So at that time on uh, this division, our furniture division, we were working with Wayfair. And Wayfair has a distribution uh, company that they own uh, called Castlegate, which basically I'm their customer. They're my customer. Um, we pay them to store our products and they buy from their from us when it's ready to ship and ships out of their of their distribution centers. But they were basically keeping tabs on inventory and we were able to get uh, a lot of that information. I didn't have any real time um software that I could get accurate information. I'd have to go into their portal 
um, and kind of check it manually. So we were very limited with what we could do, especially in, a, in an exploding e-com world. Well, then when um, we decided to go to uh, Network Acumatica, um, we decided to use our own warehouse out of Tupelo, Mississippi to service people such as the Macy's, Overstock, Amazon, people like that. Um, and with that, we needed an upgrade to what we could do because on the fabric side of our business, which we also run through a QuickBooks platform, uh, it's not live or online, but it's just a, it's a static program that you do manually. We had to hire another software company to manage that software uh, for the inventory. Wow. So it was like really putting two things together and just kind of, uh, uh, you know, um, trying to figure it out as far as having two systems work together. And then what I would have to do at the end of every week is do journal entries to adjust the inventory so I could get a real time, um, you know, picture of what my P&L would be. Sure. So you, you, at that point, you'd made the decision you needed better software and, yep. you know, where, how did you decide to move forward? Where did you go for information initially to, to, to take that step? So, you know, being in a, what I consider somewhat progressive, but somewhat antiquated uh, industry, which the furniture industry definitely can be, um, we looked outside for some consulting help because, you know, I had always heard of various, you know, SAP and other companies that, um, you know, that could do this type of um, program for us. However, the numbers were astronomical as far as when we did our initial consulting. And at that time I had a, you know, it, you know this business has grown so fast, you know, e-com in general has grown so fast in, in every uh, product category. But, you know, I've told um, some people at Network Steward about this before is, uh, back in, I think, 2017, when we decided to take the leap and sell Wayfair, um, I ended up, you know, we're buying from ourselves because of different company, different currencies and all that. So I got to flow it under U.S. law and, uh, and all that. So I'm basically buying product for myself um, or from the Chinese company. Uh, we put basically four containers worth of furniture into two DCs, one in New Jersey, one in California, uh, got it already worked with their brand managers and bang, it's there. Well, uh, algorithms are something that you have to overcome and, you know, people have to see your product online. Right. And it took two months till we got an order for one sofa. And so I'm sitting there looking at it. Oh my God, I just spent, I don't know, a hundred grand or so. And I'm sold one sofa in two months. Well, then things started to pick up. So at that time, we started looking at the cost, and it was from a um, ROI perspective, it didn't really make much sense. But then, as we started to grow, and the growth has been very high in that in that business, um, it took us a while to where we felt like we could pull the trigger and spend that money. So then, as it relates to your original question, we got another consultant uh, to go out and uh, work with. Uh, companies like net at work and uh bring us you know through their consulting bring us uh what they thought a couple different software programs might be uh good for for us and you know where we could judge and go through different tutorials if you will and um kind of evaluate for them for ourselves and so that's kind of how the process went there 
That's good. That's good. One of the things that I've found with a lot of my QuickBooks customers is QuickBooks is owned by the uh, finance guys, right? ERP starts stretching out into all these other areas and and things like that. How did you guys structure your internal team to both go through the software evaluations and work on the implementation in your case? Who did you bring to the table from, from your internal staff? Well, we don't, you know, we're a big company, what I consider a big company. Um, But the way you have to manage these import type businesses and these, um, even though there's a lot of intellectual property involved with uh, the designs and you know and the and the money we spend, we have U.S. designers living in Shanghai, and I mean, you know, we it's a big organization. However, you have to do so much more with so little these days. I think back to the '90s in this business, and I've been in this business for 25 some years. Um, when you had these uh, monster U.S. companies, and some of them still exist, but you know, everyone had. You know, for every exec, there were three secretaries and four under, you know, <laughs> all that. Right, right. And now, and now you're working pretty bare bone where, you know, I'm going to China before this pandemic eight to 10 times a year. I'm the CFO of the U.S. side. I got, you know, people doing logistics but are flowing so much. And so we've been able to add people. But really, this was another sort of step towards why we wanted to do this is that we knew we had to automate because I just can't keep throwing people and spreadsheets together to try to flow all the product that we were going to need just on our own. And, oh, by the way, we're also managing another $90 million of FOB direct business from the factory that we handled directly. So this business, as important as it is, is a small junior business to the, to the company as a whole. So when we started evaluating the software, my consultants were involved. Um, the gentleman that works on our EDI side of the equation, great with software, he was involved. And then um, some logistic people that I have here and, and myself. So I had to really trust the network team in regards to almost like our back office and, and making sure this all comes together for us because I don't have the budget or the people to just hire a whole IT staff. So I, my understanding is you guys are running without an IT staff currently? We are running without an IT staff. That's very not. I mean, that's the promise of cloud software, of course. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and that, that's a good thing. So that wraps up part one of our interview with Nice Link's Jake Carlson. Some really good points there. Besides running cloud-based Acumatica without an on-site IT department, you heard how Jay say they couldn't keep throwing spreadsheets and labor at the problem. That is so key. So often, companies face an increasing workload in the back office, and the obvious solution is to hire one more person. And that's followed by one more person six months later. And the next thing you know, well, we documented that Denver Oil Field Services Group that had 13 people in the business office running QuickBooks and about 80 spreadsheets. When a similar size company with about the same complexity, when a similar size company with about the same complexity was running cloud-based ERP, and they had a staff of about six. But that's the thing. It's really easy to add one more person to your staff instead of the costs of ERP. And before you know it, you are paying $350,000 in additional labor every year to avoid a one-time $50,000 ERP implementation. And that's where software leasing comes in. At Profit from ERP, we've come up with a program through an affiliated leasing company to spread those costs over three years. So now, instead of hiring one more person, 
you can take the same spend you'd normally pay for a single staff member and implement an ERP system. So you get the same lower cost of hiring that single staffer and you end up with advanced automation and the technology of cloud software. You can contact us for more at info at profitfromerp.com for details. And next week, part two of NiceLink's Jay Carlson, talking about the returns they're seeing on Acumatica, also how Net at Work helped with best practices and support when they were running a really lean staff. They also moved into the next tier of online e-commerce. It's a great story. It's a wonderful podcast. Next week on the ER Podcast, episode 25. You can sign up for notices at ProfitFromERP.com and never miss an episode or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, I'm the director of Profit From ERP, Gene Hammonds, wishing you a profitable week and better days to come. Of course, this being the year 2020 and the days we've had, that's a pretty low bar, but hey, we stick together, anything's possible, even profit from ERP. In an earlier version of this podcast, we mistakenly referred to Jay Carlson as Jay Carson. We regret the error and the podcast has been updated to reflect the proper pronunciation of Jay Carlson.